You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. In your Bibles, uh, we'd like to turn to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. Last week, Matt introduced uh, a new series with uh, following the I Am Sayings of Jesus from John's Gospel. Uh, I'm introducing a parallel series that we're looking at the life of Joseph. And um, Joseph, obviously not the, the husband of Mary in the New Testament, but Joseph uh, in the Old Testament. This week, uh, this past week, we've learned some new words, haven't we? And one that I'm going to be referring to later is super tunica. So there we go. <laughs> and it's very relevant to the story of uh, Joseph. We find with the story of Joseph that it runs parallel with the uh, many aspects of the life of Jesus. Um, if we look at how Joseph was despised and rejected, we can see that about Jesus. We can see the tensions within the family, and I'll be looking at that this morning. And certainly for Jesus, uh, when he began his public ministry, his, his immediate family, his mother and his brothers, uh, were quite troubled and puzzled by all that. Jesus had promises about his future destiny. Here is Joseph beginning to understand what God has in mind for him. Uh, There was a painful journey to the fulfillment of that. There's a whole realm of teaching about the robe that Joseph was given and the robes that Jesus wore. And some people have likened it rags to riches, same with Jesus. Pit to palace, same with Jesus. Prisoner to prince, same with Jesus. So there's lots of parallels. And as we go through this series, we'll be looking at that. But first of all, we're going to look at Joseph, what we learn from him. But towards the end, we're focusing on Jesus. So Genesis 37, um, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed. This is the account of Jacob, but then it talks about Joseph. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilah, the sons of Zilpha, uh, his father's wife, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Immediately we're told about Joseph bringing a bad report. Now, some commentators that I've read uh, can't find any fault in Joseph. Uh, Because he was God's chosen, because he was anointed in a sense to be the saviour of his people, um, Joseph's life is faultless. Um, He was a saviour for his family and for their clan. But an honest reading of scripture never presents the heroes of our faith in that way. They're not mythical characters, very much rooted in real life situations. And we can relate to them because it's how most most families function, not functions family, most families function. 
Um, there's usually some secret in the past, isn't there? There's some shady character. There's a relative that we're not too sure about. Um, some family split, some family tension. We're aware of that within church families. We're aware of it in our neighborhoods. We're aware of it in our own family. And that is what is good about the Bible, that we're not dealing with uh, glass-painted, stained-glass window saints. We're dealing with real-life people that we can relate to, fallen, imperfect, but loved by God and chosen and also invited into a relationship with him where God's purpose in and through them can be fulfilled. And that even extends to the disciples of Jesus. If you look at the people that Jesus chose, you'd think, hmm, if you're on management training and doing an Alan Sugar, trying to get the best team together, you wouldn't have chosen some of those characters, sons of thunder, zealots, uh, people who are wanting the prime position in the kingdom. But they're the sort of people that Jesus loves and deals with. And that's why God is called the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He is known as the God of Jacob. Now, Jacob was the Dell boy of his day. <laughs> he was always on to make the most for his own situation, to maneuver and manipulate situations. He got caught out himself, but he was also adept at doing him himself. And his sons, his 12 sons, who were the the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, in this country, there used to be a newspaper called the News of the World. It's closed down now. But it used to love taking the uh, scandalous stories and exposing them. The News of the World would have had a heyday with the sons of Jacob. Because just, just of their character and their behavior. And that's the family that Joseph is in. And it's the family that God uses. Isn't that amazing? Now, Jacob's family, we're not going to do the whole history of him. Uh, he had two wives and he had two maidservants who bore him sons. Now, we are not recommending husband has many wives. It's a fact in the Old Testament the Christian ideal is monogamy. Uh, indeed, if you want to be a, a leader in the church, the Bible, the New Testament says, you should be the husband of but one wife. Because in the culture, people did have more than one wives. In this country, it is not legal to be married <laughs> to two women at the same time, or even legal for a woman to be married to two husbands. Um, interestingly enough, if you come from another culture where there is permissible and you bring your wives to this country it is recognized that's a very interesting fact isn't it but um, part of the problems arose because of Jacob and his wives and his maidservants so from those from those relationships Jacob had 13 children one daughter 12 sons and Verse uh, 3 of the, the, uh, the account um, says, 
Israel, another name for Jacob. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. We're not told why Jacob loved Joseph more than his other sons. Uh, the, the mother of Joseph was Rachel. And Rachel was his first love. So one, when he met her, he, he fell in love with her and she was beautiful. Uh, if you know the story, he was, I was going to say deceived, he was tricked. He, he had to marry Rachel's sister first, Leah. And then for many years, Rachel wasn't bearing him any children at all. But then eventually she did. Joseph was born in his old age. He was 91 when Joseph was born. Um, maybe that's why he loved him more. Now, another son was born after Joseph. That was Benjamin. He was born to Rachel as well. But Rachel died in childbirth. So perhaps when he looked at Benjamin, he remembered the loss of his wife, Rachel. But for some reason, he loves Joseph more than any others. And then we have this coat of many colours. Those of us who know it, Joseph and his amazing technicoloured dream coat. It was a musical in this country. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still running, but it ran for many years. It began in 1986. Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber, who wrote the anthem for the uh, coronation, uh, put together some m amazing music for it. Um, but that picture has given us a problem. Um, this amazing dream coat, it implies that when he put on the coat, he had a dream. And then in that musical, the last song implies that the whole story was a dream. It wasn't true. It wasn't real. And that picture has colored our understanding because we even talk about uh, a, a multicolored coat, his coat of many colors. Um, that's the wrong thinking. What we need to think about is this super tunica which is what the king wore. After he was anointed in that linen shirt, he put on this super tunica, this ornamental robe. And the important thing isn't its color, it's its shape. That it actually was a long robe down to the wrists, down to the ankles. You're not gonna go and clear out the sheep pen in that. This is, this is a robe for somebody who you're not expecting them to do manual work. You're not expecting them to get down and uh, grubby. This is a coat of leisure. This is a coat of prestige. And so, contrary to his treatment of his other sons, Jacob gives that coat to Joseph. And this is where the story spirals down. Already, Joseph has brought them a bad report. What? Um, 
Has he witnessed something? Has he heard something from other people? But he certainly uh, goes and for whatever reason tells his father how his brothers are behaving. Um, it indicates that Joseph is a bit out of touch with his family, really, because uh, that has upset the brothers. But when he wants Joseph to, he wants connection with his family later, uh, uh, verse 12 says his brothers had gone to graze uh, the flocks. And so Joseph, uh, Jacob sends Joseph again to his brothers, not realizing there's quite a bit of animosity here. And the brothers have noticed that Joseph is favored by Jacob. Verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now, obviously, for Jacob, it's good intentions, but it's a bad outcome. Now, the problem isn't Joseph's here. It's triggered something in these brothers you know, if people get upset with you or really angry with you, well, maybe our behavior has something to do with it, but it's, it's provoked something within them. It's triggered a, a button. It's pushed a button in them. And it's of such a degree that they hated him and could not speak a word to them. And later on, when, when, um, when he tells the dream to his brothers it says they hated him all the more there was more room for anger and <laughs> hatred now joseph joseph's name means he's been added to he was the son that god gave to to rachel that added to jacob's joy and and he was called uh, joseph god has added to my life but actually this behavior has added to hatred and family tension and animosity that's why we're talking about family friction as well as fortune. And then he has these dreams. And for some reason, he tells it to his brothers. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the dream. Very important what you do with it. Then he has another dream. Uh, verse 9. He had another dream and he told his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to him, to me. And we can see the picture, parents and, and brothers. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. <laughs> Come on. Now, Joseph is about 17 at this time. I remember when I was 17. Do you remember when you were a teenager and you didn't know how to handle life? Made all sorts of goofs and gaffes and put your foot in it and were embarrassed, embarrassing for yourself and you caused embarrassment for other people. Nothing wrong with a dream, but what you do with it. So the brothers are really stirred up. But his father has a different reaction. He's rebuked him. What is this dream you have had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come down and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Why did he do that? Because Jacob knew the significance of dreams. 
In, in his fractious family, when he was running away from his father, having deceived him, and then Esau, his brother, is after him, so he has to run away from Esau as well. He's out in the desert, and he has a dream. And there's this staircase from earth to heaven, heaven to earth. The two are connected. And he sees angels going up and down. And God speaks to him. And he, get, he renews that promise that had been given to Abraham. That through this family, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. That he would have a great family. And God would bless them. And this family would be a blessing. Now Jacob knows that that dream has come true because he's now got 12 sons. My goodness me. And is God going to fulfill his promise to bless the other nations, the other people, through his family? Well, Abraham believed it. Perhaps some seed of faith was in Jacob as well. He didn't realize that from that family line, from the, from the tribe of Judah, in centuries to come, a saviour would be born and his name would be Jesus. He had no idea of that, but he'd had a dream. So Jacob is not dismissive of Joseph's dream. Aha, what's going on? So we know the, the, end, from the, 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 the end from the beginning. We know the story of Joseph that he was the least popular, loved by his father, but hated by his brothers. But actually, he did become the prince, the, the governor in Egypt, and his family did come down and bow before him as they came to find relief from the famine. But at the present, all that is hidden from their eyes. The brothers think he's an upstart. Uh, we know the age difference. You know, the oldest brother is at least twice the age of Jacob. But Jacob is mystified. His parents bowing down to their son. Now, at the coronation, uh, we have Prince William and Prince George. And it's not arrogant or being an upstart to say that if things continue, one day Prince George will be king of England. But what if little Elijah here came to his parents and said, I'm going to be the Prime Minister of England one day. <laughs> you think, oh, I think we need to check this out a bit. <laughs> Possible, but I don't know. Yes, I'm going to be the Prime Minister of England. And, and it's that sort of tension that's come in, in the family. that Joseph is saying, you, and I, I'm, the, I'm the junior here, except for Benjamin, you will bow down to me. It's like reversing the role. We saw where uh, Prince William knelt in homage to his father. It's like the father kneeling before Prince William. It just, it's wrong. And yet Joseph had had this dream. And it was a dream from God. When I first came into the, the experience of the fullness of the Holy Spirit and there were meetings where gifts of the Holy Spirit were given, we were in Nottingham and some very dear friends uh, invited 
us to a prayer meeting. I think it was just me who went to a prayer meeting. And things are happening, speaking in tongues and prophesying. And it's all very new and green, and I'm not sure what's going on, but it was quite exciting. And I remember this dear friend, Bernard Holmes, came over and laid his hands on me and prophesied over me. And I can't remember a word he said. <laughs> but I know at the time I was so excited and captured by it, but I was so naive. I thought, oh, you need to remember this. You need to hold on to it. God is saying something here. When God speaks, we need to treasure those things in our hearts. And though you, you, God might have said words to you which yet have not been fulfilled, and you're not sure where it's going to go. <laughs> Modesty was forbidding me, but I overcame my modesty. <laughs> so I was given this mug when I left the, the uh, chaplaincy at, um, at Whitemore, along with a few other gifts, and it says hero on there. And I have to say this just as a point of illustration, okay? But uh, the inscription on the back says, uh, Happy Retirement. Your kindness, love, and faith will always be remembered. Thank you for blessing so many people, for your hard work, for always making us laugh and putting a smile on our faces. Every blessing from the chaplaincy team. Now, I didn't really want to read that out, um, but I have done. <laughs> but we can rightly appreciate what people have been. And it's right to give thanks and honour people. Say, you know, your work was really good. We appreciate it. And on a Sunday for the musicians, for the meeting leaders, for the preachers, for the people who do the coffee, just to say, that was really good. It's right. Because we're looking back saying, this is what you've done. It's quite something else to proclaim, this is what I will be. This is what God has put in my heart. And I, we do need wisdom how we how we handle that and be interesting to look at the life of jesus because at one point he was a teenager he was 17 and he was growing up with the scriptures and there must have been a growing inkling of where god his father was taking him and he would have known the scriptures about from daniel one like the son of man coming on the clouds of glory he had also known like in Psalm 22, which describes quite graphically a crucifixion, or Isaiah 52 and 53, the, the suffering servant. And if he's beginning to fashion his life's destiny, working this all out, where is this going? What is this, where, where is this going? But he kept it to himself. And when he does come into public ministry, the family just don't understand it. They, they think, at one point, they think he's out of his mind and that he needs rescuing him. Certainly his brothers had trouble and one brother, James, just didn't believe it. Until, and we read in Matthew 16, as it's coming towards the time of the crucifixion, he takes his disciples together and says, so who do you say I am? 
because I know who I am, but who do you say? And then it's Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I didn't tell you. You've had a revelation from heaven. And in the Gospels, there is what is called the messianic secret. And Jesus doing miracles and amazing things. And he keeps saying to people, don't tell anybody. Because they don't understand the nature of the Messiah. That from that point on, Matthew 16, once they understood who he was, from that point on, he said, now the Son of Man must go be crucified and on the third day rise again. See, J Joseph favoured Joseph. But God favoured Joseph too in his dreams. And we have the, 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 the picture, this is the parallel with Jesus, that he is favoured by his father. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he has plans and purposes for him. Joseph, to fulfil his dream, has to go through the pit and the prison to, uh, to the palace and then back in prison and then he's a prime minister. And the path to glory for Jesus was the cross. And Jesus just working that out in his life. How about for us? Now, Jesus is the only one who started in the right place. <laughs> none of us in God's dealing with us, none of us has started in the right place. Or even if we've now begun to walk in the right place, most of us have taken a, a, a side turn and all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own ways. We haven't got it right. And yet just as God's purpose for Joseph was fulfilled through a frail and broken, hence we did that exercise, broken people, broken families, from the mess that we've come, we sang right at the beginning, bring all your failures and there's not one of us who's got a life that it isn't marked by failures. But the grace and the love of God is so immense that it covers over that and God is able to work out his purpose for you. Do you know what God has called you to be? Do you know what God calls you, uh, the, the, the ministry he wants you to be involved in? Let me finish just with this picture of a robe. See, the robe that Joseph put on meant you don't have to work. When you're wearing that robe, you don't have to work. The robe of righteousness that we are clothed with, the acceptance, the forgiveness, the mercy of God, means that you don't have to work to be accepted by God. And I think some people here this morning need to hear that. Just because he loves you, just because his favour is upon you, just because his mercy is upon us, just because his grace is upon us, it's the story of the prodigal son. He'd made a mess of it, but when he comes home, what does he get? A ring, a feast, and he put a robe on him. Because I've made you part of my family again. So as we begin this story of Joseph, just let's be, be mindful of this amazing grace. Bring all your failures, bring all your brokenness, bring all your addictions. You will find mercy. And God has a plan and a destiny for us all. As clearly as for the chosen people in the Old Testament, as clearly for Jesus. 
the word that Paul gave uh, in, in Philippians. He who began a good work in you, what will he do? He'll bring it to completion. He'll oversee it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.